Riddle me this, riddle me that. What do you do with a three-hour chat? Holy pop, Batman. It's a two-part episode. That's right, Bat fans and listener. Our discussion of the 2022 Matt Reeves film, The Batman, went long as expected, so we decided to break up our discussion into two parts. In part one, we do a deep dive into what we loved and didn't love about this newest installment, and in part two, we open up the conversation to rank the previous feature film versions of The Dark Knight, including the 1993 animated masterpiece, Mask of the Phantasm. So gas up your Batmobile and sharpen your batarangs, because here we go. and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Matt. And my name is Colin. And, uh, and oh, is, is, we have a very special guest. I didn't know I was supposed no, no, no. to do it. No, no, no that's well, not I us. I don't think we knew either. Uh, I talked all, through some of the logistics, but I clearly didn't think through all of the logistics. So, did you? Do you <laughs> want me to do it? You can, yeah, please. Who, who are you, random uh, stranger on the podcast? Uh, slash friend of the podcast sla- already. Slash friend of, slash listener. My, my, my <laughs> name. Slash contributor. My, yeah. name, my name is Jim. Others know me as James. Depends on who I'm talking to. <laughs> Hello. Excellent, excellent Previously work. Previously appeared on uh, several, a couple episodes at least. So right? you were on the Amadeus one. I don't, have you been uh, on yeah. any other episodes? Uh, it was just the Amadeus one. <gasps> Okay. Second this time. I think is this yeah. this is our second time like you're the only person who's been on more than one episode, I think. Yeah, I think no. so. Congratulations. So you Jay. did Thank it. you guys. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. You uh, many more. You're gonna be like the five timers club. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> But without the jacket, or, you know... I was gonna say, I can't make any promises yeah. about us giving you shit for being on the show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll have to get jackets. Well, I mean, I'll just make my own jacket, that's fine. Okay, that works. <laughs> bedazzle it. Yeah. We'll bedazzle ours. Um, um, so, this is... Actually, speaking of jackets, I have a Bruce Wayne smoking jacket. Why oh, are you wearing for... it? Because I'm not in my home Oh, that's right, right. Now. that's right. Damn, I, I realize that too. Actually, I, I would have worn it. I could just get a tattoo of everything that you've ever suggested on this podcast and just <laughs> to cover my body in them. That's I like so that. Smart. I like that. That seems I like really, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that just, seems like the most practical thing for you to do. <laughs> that's a yeah. statement too. <laughs> uh, Disciple of the pod. <laughs> so today is a, a special episode because. That's so special. A movie came out recently that some people have seen. I think this movie. I think I saw the other day that this movie's made almost five hundred million dollars globally in like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. cool. God bless. <laughs> um, but obviously, the movie is the Batman, the seventh iteration of live action Batman in our lifetimes. Seven <laughs> in our lifetimes. I just want to just want to stress that yeah. up front. We're, we're still doing it. It doesn't. <laughs> we were there since the beginning. It doesn't seem like a lot, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I uh, Jim and I both saw this on opening night, um, and we were texting each other a little bit um, later that night. And Matt saw it opening weekend. 
and I was like, yo, this is stupid. Instead of having separate group messages, <laughs> we should yeah. just record a podcast about it. So here we are. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the Batman or the Batmans the Batman. or the Batmen. Yeah. The we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. But I want you guys to, to speak on your love of the Batman first. And then I'm going to come in. And, and see what happens. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I'm nervous. Man, do you want to go? Um, sure. I mean, I, I could go on forever. Yeah, I don't so know I, how I'm going to well, rein I it just, in. Like, I was going to say, but just... I'll limit, I'll limit what, we're, I, we're, what like, I This say. conversation will be free-flowing, so just, like, give us an entry point, and then, you know, we can build yeah. from there. Um, Batman, for me, was my entry into comic book reading, uh, like Batman Hush was the first graphic novel I remember picking up from the library and reading through and being like, oh, this is exactly what I want in a Batman story. And like, this is the original version. Like, this is a comic book of it. And that's when I like started reading comics. So like my obsession with comic books now can all be traced back to like Batman. So that plus the animated series in the 90s, plus just like, in the same way that Star Wars is just kind of ubiquitous with my existence, Batman 2 has never been an unknown for me. I've, like, only ever known Batman. So the level of obsession that I have with this character, with this fictional world, uh, you know, we have not seen our, our a lacking of Batman stories, but none have quite spoken to me the way the Batman finally did um which is i think a, a huge boon to why i love this movie so much um so i'm very excited to talk about the batman specifically and why i think it's such a successful batman adaptation but also why i think it surpasses every previous live action batman movie thank you i'll be taking no questions <laughs> <laughs> um i would say you I could echo absolutely every single thing you said. Really, the only difference between your experience and mine is that I watched the animated series before I got into comics, but Batman was still what got me into superheroes, what got me into comics. But yeah, the, the animated si series was my first exposure, and I, I don't know, five years old or whenever, I became obsessed <clears throat> immediately. And I just feel like Batman is kind of like you said, just synonymous with with who i am and who i like it, yeah. it, it's shaped what fiction i love and mm -hmm. and i think star wars is actually a pretty good you know comparison too in terms of like sci-fi versus more grounded fiction <coughs> it, just by grounded I mean takes place on earth right. <laughs> uh but yeah batman is just like shaped uh, so much of like what my what my taste is in 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 superheroes, in storytelling in general. I think the first comic I read was Killing Joke, and I read it way mm. too young. <laughs> <laughs> Did not I uh, young enough to not appreciate <clears throat> some of the things that were happening in it, happening in it, um, or some of the atrocities, uh, the horrors <laughs> that were depicted yeah. in it. Didn't get it, um, and read it again when I was in college, and I was like, whoa, oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, and and I'll I'll say this again later. But because of that, as much as as much Batman media as I've consumed, and as much as I 
adore this movie. I'm just going to say up front that Kevin Conroy is still my Batman and always will yes. be. Absolutely. <laughs> and Mark Hamill will always be my Joker. I love Heath, mm-hmm. but Mark Hamill will always be my Joker. That said, this is the first Batman movie to do so much right. And it took me some time to let it settle, and it took me three times seeing it in theaters already <laughs> to to not make me not question it. I really do think that it's not recency bias. It is truly it's the Batman movie I have been waiting for. I have not I don't mm-hmm. insist that everyone agree with that because but it was it's so this was like personal for me. It was a really yes. it was a life-changing experience and I I know it sounds dramatic <laughs> but it really was. Uh so <laughs> I this is a really good movie. <laughs> I really like this movie a lot. Uh, I've just, like, been fucking with you guys mostly. (laughs) I definitely don't love it as much as either of you do. Um, But I did think that this was a really good movie. Uh, I I have some some, uh, quibbles with this movie. Um, But I think I texted both of you... What did you say? It's just uh, quibbles. <laughs> I think I texted both of you independently some version of my overall thought, which on this particular movie was, um, oh shit, now I lost it. Uh, oh, it's, so yeah, here's my, like, when I left the theater, my, like, hot take was, this is definitely one of the best filmed Batman movies we've ever had. Like, bar none, I will not, I will not fight anybody on that quote, or on that, like, point. I think this is easily top three, if not higher. Um, but if I'm going to watch a three-hour Batman movie, eight times out of ten, I'm going to watch The Dark Knight Rises. And we can talk more about that later. But I think for me, as somebody who doesn't have a relationship to Batman outside of film... Uh, and when I say that, I mean specifically live action. Um, I'd never watched the animated series. Uh, I had not seen Mask of the Phantasm until a week ago. So, like, I literally, my only entry point to Batman is whatever live action Batman is happening at the time. Um, so as somebody who doesn't have the deep relationship that you guys have, um, I just, I like, I thought this was a really good movie, but... It wasn't just like it's it wasn't as fun for me because I like I think there were parts of this movie that were a little not like slog is aggressive, but I'm la- I can't think of a better word right now. So like take that word with a grain of salt. But there are some parts of this movie that I I thought were a little slower than I wanted them to be. And like Dark Knight Rises is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but like it is fun for me. Again, as somebody who doesn't have the connection, like who do, I don't have to have complaints about how Batman is depicted in that movie. Mm-hmm. I can just sit down and watch that movie, and I'm just like, yeah, this is just a fun time living in Gotham. Whereas, like, the Batman is like, man, this is a pretty tough hang. <laughs> like, God, like, Gotham fucking sucks, man. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I did really like this movie. I think this movie is very well made. Um, but I didn't love it nearly as much as either of you guys did. So I mostly just wanted to, you know, record this pod so we could talk about it, but really give you guys an opportunity to just like, just shower your love upon the Batman. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) 
Um, and so boys, yeah, is there going to be some love? I have yeah. some notes, uh, but I want you guys to like. I really want you guys to like take the wheel and just like let let your let your light shine, let your bat light shine. I think your takes are extremely fair. I would say it <laughs> yeah. took till about it took till like the third time for me to feel the movie's length. I'll say, mm-hmm. and it, it's one of those things where kind of your relationship with a movie affects how you. It's like time doesn't it time changes. Right, Cause to me, Dark Knight Rises feels longer than the Batman does, even though the yeah. Batman is it, it objectively paced slower. Yeah, and I just chalk it up to enjoyment, I guess. I so the the thing that's been going around Twitter and just or maybe just the weird bubble that I'm in is talking <laughs> about how like oh this is the first Batman movie to make Batman a detective. It's a little reductive to say that. It's not exactly true, but I do think that it is the first to really do it right. And I'm going to try not to say, like, like the comics, but it's like, <laughs> it is also like the comics. I mean, the comics take various forms. I mean, Batman was a like a freaking uh, ninja in one of them, I think. Like, you know. Um, but it was like the first Batman movie to take its time, like in terms of pacing and make a movie about trying and failing for the most part to get ahead of a serial killer, but not just any serial killer, but like a killer who's deliberately leaving extra clues, necessitating additional detective work behind beyond like, Oh, I just killed a guy. Good luck stopping me. And there are just, there are two things about that. One, that's what makes the Riddler such an amazing villain. And as another bit of background is the Riddler is, my favorite Batman villain and always has been. Um, wow, and so okay. I have been waiting for something like this. And what's funny is this isn't so, even, so Tom, this isn't even the best Riddler that I've ever seen. So, so Jim Carrey didn't scratch that itch for you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I will at the time very much so <laughs> because he was my fa- I mean, dumb and dumber is my favorite movie of all time. I mean, the, yeah. I, you know, I would have, I, I heaped so much praise onto that movie until I don't know when it changed, but man, did it change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, I think what makes Riddler so amazing is he sees Batman as, like, an intellectual equal, like, a worthy opponent, and mm-hmm. loves testing him. And even though you, you, he's not as preachy, the Riddler isn't as preachy about it in this movie, but it's still, that that sort of feel is there. And frankly, and, and this sounds like, it's, it's, not, it's not meant to be an insult to the movie, but like, I'll take what I can get. Like, this isn't my perfect Riddler, it's not how I would have even necessarily done it, but I loved it. I loved the take. Mm-hmm. And I just felt from the get-go all this trust in Matt Reeves and Paul Dano, and I feel like it paid off. And I guess the, le- the, the last thing I'll say for now is that, I mean, just in general, this is the... Co- what, what would it be so weird if you were like, we invited you to join us and you just like say something for like 20 minutes and you're like, all right, see you guys later. You just leave the Zoom chat. I gotta go out on a high note. I... A real drop the mic situation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, this is just the Batman, the, the version of Batman that I like to see. I mean, I, I I think there's an importance to the duality of Bruce Wayne and Batman, and I'm sure we'll talk about how much Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne to Batman ratio in this movie. But like, there's a clear difference between an actual fucking detective story and a crime thriller slash action movie that just so happens to involve detective work, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the Dark Knight is the latter. I love it. It's the latter. This is 
the closest we've gotten to what I believe Batman was meant to be, or at least what it means, what I wanted the most. And it gets us almost all the way there, if not entirely there. Uh, yeah, ditto. <laughs> just kidding. No, I mean, truly. I, and like, now Matt drops me. and I just ISO for the next hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but truly, I think, like, <clears throat> everything you said is exactly how I feel. I feel like, yeah, it, this is a mystery thriller, um, and it is dark, but it is gothically dark. It's like, it captures how grim the world of Batman is in a way that, like, I don't like Batman 66 at all. Like, I don't like campy Batman. Yeah. That's not my Batman. So, like, forever couldn't be further from where I want a Batman <laughs> movie. Like, Batman and Robin, also miles away. Yeah. Oh. And so, like, the best that we've gotten are kind of these, like, bland, sterile Batman in, in a world kind of movies rather than a rich like authentically Batman world and vibe and this movie is that vibe and that's like animated series comic books like that is Batman all of the other Batman live action ones have been a version of Batman in a in a way that like hasn't has focused more on like the director's vision or like what they wanted to do with it like it's a Christopher Nolan Batman it's a Tim Burton Batman this one like Matt Reeves just makes a Batman movie yeah like puts on screen the things that we love about Batman as a fictional character and not just a body with a costume that like we like to look at like this is not Boba Fett Boba Fett is like just there for the scenery and that's how Batman can be treated sometimes is like, oh, this is just like, this is the world of that character. But like, it's not really authentic to it. And this is like, Batman's a detective. Batman is a grim, depressed, socially uh, distant, like obsessive, sad man who like kind of inspires the villains around him to do what they do. And that's what's tragic about it is that it's a never-ending struggle that ends in failure most of the time because you can't stop crime. And this kind of this movie captures that futility in a way that still makes Batman like this human just trying his best to like do something better. And no other Batman movie I feel like has been that focused in that particular aspect of him. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this movie in its three hours is not focused on big thrills. It's focused on, like, the character development of each of these characters to each other. Mm. Gordon and Batman, like, Catwoman and Batman, Gordon and Catwoman. Like, not all these new dynamics that are introduced uh, that is what makes Batman so fun is, like, this interconnected world of these, like, criminals and allies and, like... Uh, signals and cars like it's it it gave us all the stuff that makes it feel like a batman movie i can't love it more i like <laughs> i've seen it twice and it and I, it's like it's really it's the first time where i was like yep this is batman this is absolutely batman so and you've captured everything i've missed in batman movies prior 
I think that that's really interesting. And, it, and I was talking to one of my coworkers at the theater the other day, and I was just kind of like, I feel like this movie was made for people like you. Like, this movie was made for the Batman lifers. And I like, and I'm happy for you. I genuinely am truly happy that you guys have this. Like you, you have a version of this that you guys really care about. Um, but I'm curious, and I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to enough people out. Like really, I've mostly just talked to the two of you because none of my other friends have seen mm-hmm. this movie yet. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I mean, other than like this, this guy that I was talking to at the theater, but um, I like to me this movie. I was more impressed by this movie than I was in love with this movie. Like, I I think Matt Reeves is an incredibly talented storyteller. He's an incredibly talented director. Um, The fact that the the most recent Planet of the Apes trilogy, which he was obviously, he was only involved in the last two, but, like, those were the better two anyway. Um, The fact that, like, he was able to make that franchise, like, like, holy shit, this is actually really good, is yeah. incredible. And so, like, going into this, I was like, oh, my God, another Batman? Are you kidding me? But, like, with him being on involved, I was like, okay, I'm willing to at least give this a shot and see how it goes. Um, and, again, I, I think it's a really well-done movie. I just, I don't know if, if, I would be curious if people outside of the the, you know, Batman is life bubble can get to your level of adoration of this movie. Um, which is not necessarily a knock on the movie. I'm just like, it's me just generally curious about this particular thing that we have. Yeah. yeah. I think also just visually, it's the best looking Batman. Movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like there are so many shots that are for, like, could be pulled from a comic book, could mm-hmm. be pulled from the animated series of like, and literally it's as, it's as simple as like the profile of Batman in this movie is perfect it is exactly batman's profile like the sharpness of the nose the angle of the brow everything is like 2at what i want yep and in a way that like even the batfleck costume got close to it with like this the shorter ears i was like yeah that's a cool like visual this one was like no no this just works from every angle um so like the shots i think are where I feel like this one has the most style mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that's not, like, to its detriment. Like, mm-hmm. I think Nolan's style is this, like, grounded realism, which I think pulls from what is fun about Batman, is that it is ridiculous. There's Clayface, like, a monster made of clay <laughs> that we haven't seen in a live-action movie, but, like, it is the actual comic book world is ridiculous, and the animated series yeah. world is kind of outrageous. And so, like when you have the realism of Nolan, you like strip a lot of that away. When you have like Burton's like gothic, like kind of dark twisted, like weirdness, you don't really get like the cool, like style of Batman. You get kind of this like tacky version of it to a point, but like just, it's kind of tacky. And so like this one was just focused on like, let's just show the Batman world for all of its like beauty and weirdness and decay and neon signs. Uh, and I just, it felt very respectful to the source material and not beholden to it the way like Watchmen from Zack Snyder. Yeah. Is like, <laughs> okay, this is like, you kind of don't get it. You have to like do something with this. You can't just like do it shot for shot. This is just like, mm. this is the live action adaptation <clears throat> of Batman. Yeah. Um, 
it's at least the definitive version for me in a lot of ways. Watchmen's a good comparison only in that, and maybe I'm just, I don't know if you share the same opinion, but the one thing about Watchmen is, I mean, it was, it was obviously hailed as being super accurate to the frames of the graphic novel. Like, they were just literally mm-hmm. jumping off screen, but like you said, he didn't really do anything with it, but visually, mm-hmm. I was very impressed with what Zack Snyder did. This movie, without actually adapting any specific source material directly felt the most like reading a comic book and i yeah. i really wanted to avoid constantly comparing things to the comic <laughs> because if you don't read the batman <clears throat> comics then it, i feel like i'm then just holding right. you at an arm's length but it's just <laughs> the from the opening sequence with the riddler murder of the of the mayor and the sequence that follows the i am the shadows sequence is just outstanding it is it is right off the page it's like a it's like you if you told me they adapted something like that i had never read i I would believe it because it was Mm -hmm. so it was like adapting the pages of a comic visually and narratively without drawing too much attention to it to the fact that you're doing that it was just like it, it was it grabbed my attention right away and it was and, and I think part of why I love this movie was I didn't know what to expect it's it's almost like Christopher Nolan's movies impressed me endlessly and I maybe you thought that it wasn't ever going to get better than that and so I was like <laughs> Christopher Nolan's mm-hmm. movies are phenomenal and any knock that it sounds like I have on the Nolan movies is just now because I have a reference point that oh we can mm-hmm. do better for me and I love the Nolan movies for what they are. I love heat, but with Batman, you know, like it's true, you know, like, and Heat's another great example of a movie that involves detectives and chasing somebody, but doesn't actually involve any real detective work. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This is just, this set a different bar and I just didn't realize that we could get here. Even watching the Batman, the original, like the first trailer of this movie, I watched it once and I never watched it again because I just didn't want to know anything. And I've fortunately forgotten almost everything that was in the trailer, <laughs> including the score, which you get some good teases mm-hmm. of that. And sitting down in the theater and like during that first sequence that I am the shadows part, I was just chills down my spine. I'm like, I, I didn't know that I could I was ever going to be here. And I think some of that shock has not worn off. And I, I'm sure when it even when it does, this is this is my favorite Batman movie through and through. I think yeah. th- I think the Watchmen point is really interesting, and I had not made the connection until you specifically brought it up. But, um, you know, Watchmen opens with like both the movie and the uh, graphic novel opens with that like voiceover from um, Rorschach, and he's just like talking about like just how like the grime and grit and like how just everything is just like shitty and all this other stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection, but I, to your point, like th- the opening sequence, the not, not the, like the prologue with the Riddler, but like once we get the voiceover from Batman and we get all those different shots of like crime happening in Gotham and it's just like bouncing around to all these different things feels like a comic book. Like it feels, mm-hmm. but, and again, as somebody who's never read the comic books, it was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like that's what these are. And like even the, um, like the the visuals like the, that open the movie where you're like you're looking through like like the, your vision is kind of distorted because you're clearly looking through a mask like that seemed like something that could have been a panel in a comic book 
Uh, and maybe was at some point, yeah. I don't know, but like it definitely felt like something that could have been, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, you, I, in that particular scene, the skylight, when they cut to the shot of looking through the open skylight mm -hmm. at the mayor, it's so like well organized as like a, as a shot to suggest that now the skylight is open, Riddler's already inside, and we're gonna just get the mayor in the slice of open window. Like yeah. it's a panel from a comic. It like is telling all of this information just in the visuals. And that constantly happens throughout this movie of just these like visual keys to the world of Batman. Um, yeah. that like frame the world, like frame the mythology uh, in a really bold way. And if, if, I guess if we're gonna, if we wanted to try to get away from, to, to hopefully avoid isolating people who are like, well, I didn't, I'm not gonna read the comics. I guess the only other way I can put it is like, do you like crime films? Yeah. But like, not like, like a, a detective story. Like it doesn't have to be like, oh, noir, like Humphrey Bogart, Maltese Falcon detective story. Like it, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, do you like mysteries? Do you like detective stories? If so, do you like Zodiac? Do you like Memories of Murder? Like, yeah. if so, this is a movie for you. You don't have to give a shit about the comics. I, that was another one that I was thinking of, uh, over the, this past weekend where, and like, again, I'm being very glib, but like. I was like, if I'm going to watch, you know, I said, if I'm going to watch a three hour Batman, it's going to be Dark Knight Rises. If I'm going to watch a three hour mystery, it's going to be Zodiac. Like that was another thought that I had that I wanted to drop can't on go wrong guys, with Zodiac. But like... <laughs> yeah. But like to get Batman in the world of Zodiac is awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. to pick Zodiac as the framework for the Riddler is also so cool to be able to go like, yeah, okay, then this would be what it would be like in our world, but still like kind of heightened, kind of like... Uh, cartoonish still yeah, yeah and but, like my yeah. opinions on fincher are well known to listeners of this pod i fucking love david fincher and the fincher comps in this movie are so overt and i was like yes yeah. bitch yes oh, yeah. like the fact that it's raining all the time i was like dope seven sign me up i'm in <laughs> like the fact that yeah. it's like yeah. a three-hour you know detective mystery like whodunit kind of thing uh that like goes at its own pace uh you know for better and for worse uh i was like yeah zodiac let's go like, yeah. it's just like yeah. this fucking owns so hard um I, yeah i was very very zodiac with Catwoman. yeah it's like yeah. zodiac yeah. with some great <laughs> chemistry and a phenomenal supporting <laughs> character uh yeah. okay so yeah, i feel so like we've done a good job yeah. talking about like the movie in general should we start to move to some specifics so yeah, you mentioned should. Catwoman. And I'm just going to be totally honest. Zoe Kravitz was easily my favorite part of this entire movie. I thought she was, yeah. I thought she was electric every single time she was on oh, yeah. screen. I could not take my eyes off of her. I was so invested with everything that she was doing. Again, I don't have like my, my connections to the Catwoman as a character are Michelle Pfeiffer and, um, Anne Hathaway. And I, I love Anne Hathaway generally i like i know that a lot of people don't and that's totally fine i i get why people wouldn't but i love anne hathaway and i was i really mm -hmm. liked her catwoman again i don't have a comparison so like yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um i like this is now my definitive catwoman 
um, outside nice. of the comics. I, like as, as much as I love Anne Hathaway and as much as like mm-hmm. I didn't fully vibe with Batman Returns, I can at least appreciate that Michelle Pfeiffer was like going for it, exclamation point. Um, <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is definitively my Catwoman now. I thought she was outstanding. And I like at the end of the movie, they go their separate ways. You know, spoiler, but if you've made it this far, you've probably watched this movie already. Um, and I was just like, man, I hope she comes back in some capacity because I would be really bummed to have another yeah. version of this Batman without her. Um, and I thought she was really good. And I also thought that their chemistry was like out of control. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was <laughs> I was just like, these two people just need to fuck like right now. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah, when, that's, when he, that's all when, I have to say about the Catwoman. <laughs> when he when he stops her for the first time when she's robbing the mayor's safe, and he pulls her behind the wall and has his his hand over his her mouth. I was like, oh damn. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is what this is what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way that they're an actual team, kind of from the go, is kind of the most fun yeah. Batman Catwoman relationship we've got because they're not adversaries and then learn to love each other. It's this, like, real recognition, which, like, somebody pointed out that when uh, he sees her climb out of her window and, like, acrobatics down Mm. to the street, and it kind of reacts like, what? Yeah. It's, like, it's this recognition of, like, oh, she's weird like me. Okay. Yeah. Like, what's up? Let's, like, let's see what what happens. And the score changes in that exact moment. There's this little, like, it it goes from this kind of, like, drone to, like, this light, thing kind of just like a like a a musical representation of like oh my gosh i'm impressed like i gotta learn more about this woman yeah it's and like if we're gonna if we're gonna start talking about the score the geokina score is the best batman score we've got easily we've got it we've arrived it's congrats everybody we did it (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sorry han zimmer i love you but this is the batman score yeah but boy bye and the animated series has, like, one of the best themes. Like, we all love the Batman animated series themes. All three of and us Batman. love it dearly. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely me, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, and the Batman 89 score is, like, is very iconic. thrilling and iconic. Mm-hmm. But this is this is the best full score for a Batman. Yeah. Uh, it's so fun. And those little things that make, like, Catwoman this, like playful like dangerous like just suggests all these things and it matches her movements it's it's incredible that she really is incredible zoe kravitz she's like my definitive selena kyle is what i feel like like oh interesting she captures the aspects of like the human being behind catwoman who's this like very like proud and powerful and like cool and sexy woman who like captures Batman's interest. And I think Zoe Kravitz does it the best of anybody of like that just like cool. She's so fucking She's cool. She's so fucking cool. No other yeah. no other catwoman has been as like chill as she is. Quite um, the opposite in Michelle Fiber's case where she she gets thrown <laughs> she's thrown off a building and then becomes Looney Tunes and Batman's yeah. like, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like and I love Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, yeah, Catwoman I do for too. its own thing. <laughs> yeah. But like it's not really it's not my Catwoman and this is this is my Catwoman. Yeah. So 
they nailed it. Somewhat related, there's like a running joke at my office uh, that I'm like, and I should preface this by saying that like, I, I love my coworkers. Like, I know that this is all, like, we all, it's all in good fun. But, like, the running joke in my office is that, like, I'm a weirdo because I listen to film scores. <laughs> and, like, um, Wild. And uh, I genuinely have just been listening to the Batman score, like, for mm-hmm. basically the last week and a half. And, like, I put my headphones Same. in. I don't, like, yep. force my coworkers to listen to the Batman score. But, like, I just will, like, play it. And it's two hours long, so I can do, like, a good chunk of shit during those two hours. And then when it's over, I'm like, well, I mean, I guess, sure, why not? I'll start it up again. <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's a it's a fantastic score. Uh, I've, like, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed Giacchino's work for a long time. Uh, Jim, you and I share a, a love of Lost. Deep, I fucking love, love Lost. I love Lost so much. <laughs> I will defend Lost till my dying day. Every even uh, the the worst episodes. Yeah, I, I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. And like the, I was listening to the score. The and I texted both of you. I was like, there's a part in one of the songs that is just straight up Lost. Like it is. Like I'm sure Michael Giacchino was just like pulled some pages from his like Lost <laughs> work and was like, eh, we can throw that in here. It's basically yeah. the same thing. Uh, it's it's so good. I love it. Um, I love that you love Catwoman and Zoe Kravitz so much. I, I was just, as you were talking about, I was trying to think of who, if if I had to pick somebody who's my favorite part of this movie, I, I think my I, my brain would break, really, because I, right. I I love everything. I Like, you nailed it with Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Like, Paul Dano, you'd think, like, I would just grapple uh, or, like, r- latch right on to the Riddler. Like, Paul Dano's interpretation of the Riddler is, he's outstanding in general. Yeah. I love he does, and and it infuriates me to no end. So if you just want to troll me about something, just talk <laughs> about how he's just like mimicking every like ba- like Bane or or Heath Ledger's Joker. Like the way he changes his voice, the mm-hmm. way he goes from calm to angry. I just think it's it, it, it. There's a subtlety to it that has not been done with a Batman villain on screen yet. And when he is unmasked, like in in Arkham, when he when he's with Pattinson, his his acting is just. Uh, I mean, we all, uh, you guys, we all have a love for Paul Dano. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> this yeah. is a pro Dano podcast um, by far. Yeah. And and like the like <clears throat> even just Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon, best Jim Gordon we've ever gotten, best Batman Jim Gordon. Like just the little things that I want to know if the screenplay had them or not. Just the fact that Jim Gordon calls him man all the time, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, he pulls out his gun, he's like, no guns. Like that's your thing, man. Like it's so, yeah. I, it's like there's that because it, it's it's year two or maybe the start of year three Batman, and it feels like it, and it's like they 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 allude to the fact that they've been working together, but they still don't really know that much about each other. But clearly, there's that trust. The movie drops you in without just to mm-hmm, trust that mm-hmm. you know what's going to go on. It doesn't do a traditional storytelling where it's like here's the Bruce Alfred dynamic, here's the the Batman Gordon <clears throat> dynamic, or here, God forbid, here's Bruce becoming Batman again. Um, and I guess the, the last thing I was going to say about like favorite parts is just, or just acting wise is Robert Pattinson because, and again, this was something didn't know what to expect at all going into this movie. I love Robert Pattinson. I love good time. I love the lighthouse. It's just like, he's such a good actor. So I didn't think he was going to like screw up Batman, but I just didn't, I wasn't prepared for how good he is in this movie, yeah. and, it, and in general, in a lot of movies, but he is less, he's more limited in this movie because you only have his dark eyes and, like, the bottom part of his jaw. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he's so good at conveying just, like, a wealth of emotion and thought with a glance. Like, I, I don't think it's me reading into something that's not there. It's like, he's he can convey so much with a stare, a grimace, a stern, like, or stoic just glance over. It, it's just, we get so much subtlety from him, <clears throat> and it's just... And, it, and obviously there's moments that call for him to become very emotional. I think he nails those too. But just his presence is, and not just because he's wearing, you could put a lot of people in a Batman costume and light the scene the way you're going to light it and have the mood be what it is and the score what it is. And you put George Clooney in the Batman costume and you don't have the same scene. You don't have the same mood. Mm. You don't have the same yeah. feel. And it is, it, I mean, not to mention he, clearly fucking loves being Batman and if we're gonna go back and compare to other people like no offense again Christian Bale was pretty ambivalent about being Batman the whole time yeah yeah I when I left the theater I was like yeah Robert Pattinson was good but like that was it I was I I was just like he was good he was a good Batman period I'm gonna move on and think more about Zoe Kravitz being incredible um (laughs) But the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, no, he's actually really good in this role. And I think, like, part of it was, again, I don't have the comics association. um, But, I like, in in the movies, there is the Bruce Wayne-Batman, like, duality, generally speaking, isn't, like, that's a part of the movies. Um, And in this movie, Bruce Wayne isn't really that much of a character. Like, it's definitely, like, a Batman movie. And, like, there's a few scenes with Bruce Wayne... And I was thinking, like, yeah, but Pattinson wasn't really doing much in the Bruce Wayne stuff. Granted, it was a small part of the movie. It was a small part of the story. But I was like, he wasn't really doing much there. So I was, like, kind of ready to write it off. But then the more I thought about it and the more I was, like, thinking about how it all fit as part of the larger whole of the movie, I was like, oh, no, that actually is really perfect what he was doing. Like, it all, like, it all tracks. Like, both versions of the character fully track with what this story is doing and what this world you know is um and so yeah i've I've been more and more impressed with his batman as i've sat with it and as i've thought about it if this movie had a scene of him getting out of bed and some woman just leaves his bed and runs off grabs her shoes it would be like what the fuck are you doing matt reeves (laughs) (laughs) what are you trying to do yeah um, so I, I am curious to see, and like, I think Robert Pattinson is an incredibly talented actor. So like, I don't have any th- problem, like, I'm sure he will be able to pull it off, but I assume that, you know, we're, I mean, this movie made so much fucking money. We're definitely getting at least another one, probably an entire trilogy at this point, which <laughs> congratulations to you two specifically, but all of us generally, um, <laughs> I'm curious. I imagine that future iterations of this Batman franchise will have more Bruce Wayne and will have more you know I I, I would assume again we don't know for sure maybe that's not what Matt Reeves is interested in and that's fine too Um, but I I would be curious to see like what Robert Pattinson can do as he grows into this role and as this role evolves um, over the course of however many movies we end up getting yeah yeah I think this is (laughs) I think yeah this Bruce Wayne just being the the normal body that he's in but not really any persona is the coolest batman on, that we've seen on screen because like it doesn't really make sense for him to be like oh i love rachel dawes like what <laughs> why like how what does this have to do with the mission man and like 
Like, the Batman is all about the mission. Like, does not put anything before this obsession with fighting crime. And so, like, oh, I'm, like, into Vicki Vale just because she's a reporter. Yeah. Is, like, what? Or just, like, into Catwoman because she's this other weird, like, freak in this Burton Gotham. Even that one is kind of, like, sure, yeah. But, the like, the aspect of Bruce Wayne dating a woman and then having to, like balance that with being Batman that's not Batman like and we've had that with the Nolan movies we've had that with Burton's movies and Schumacher's like it's always just like his dating life and then him being Batman if that's what you want in Bruce Wayne what movie do you actually want Batman like what 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 Batman do you actually want in a movie is like this guy that half of the time is trying to balance like his romance life that's not who wants that this is much more like he is solving a murder and while he's doing it he's like oh this is like a an interesting person that i can like kind of relate to in my weirdness and like that's so much more fun to watch and have it be in the end like i'm not gonna stop this yeah we're gonna have to go our separate ways and the, the two of them riding on motorcycles and then parting ways is like the coolest representation of this like partnership that they're like yeah we're both like good people but we've got different like ways of living so we're gonna part ways for now yeah. mm-hmm. but we'll probably see each other in the future and that's such a cool version of this like batman and this pattinson batman is that he's like i'm gonna keep fighting crime like a little freak because that's that's all i care about like i've gotta just keep doing it yeah i'm not interested in a personal life um and i think yeah the lack of bruce wayne is not a concern for me whatsoever i much prefer that we get his internal monologue which if you want bruce wayne that's bruce wayne it's him saying like i'm i'm out here and i'm fighting and i don't know if i'm doing any good but i'm gonna keep doing it and i'm trying to like figure this out and try to like understand how to do what I want to do in this city and have it actually affect anything. That internal monologue is the most Bruce Wayne that we've ever gotten. Uh, it's not just like us watching this billionaire playboy. It's us hearing what he's thinking psychologically. Mm-hmm. And that's like so much of the Batman mythos too, is like his psychological well-being and how close to the edge he always is from being this, like, unhinged and violent person. Also, they say that this Batman isn't funny, but I think this is the funniest Batman. It is funny. Because, like, when he's like, I'm gonna, like, great, now I've got you uh, punching a cop. And he's like, punching three cops. Like, his little, like, even just, like, the way he he says, like, thumb drive. He's so dry, and the humor of Batman is how, like, out of place he is around normal people. He has no sense of humor, but his sense of humor is being incredibly dry and dark. And everyone's like, okay, funny, Bruce. Oh my God. <laughs> like lighten up. So like, this is perfectly everything that, uh, you know, we haven't really gotten. It's always been like a fairly normal Bruce Wayne and the freak that is Pattinson where he's just like lurching and like <laughs> hidden and sweaty, <laughs> like yeah. perfect. We, we really do. We, we've gotten so much, so many superhero movies that are like half about the superhero balancing their normal life with being a superhero. And not that that's not a real struggle that someone would have if they were a superhero, but 
this movie didn't seem concerned with it at all. No. And frankly, no offense to any of the Marvel movies, <laughs> I think that the last time that that was done like really well was probably Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and ever since yeah. then it's kind of been like all right. I mean, like Tom Holland and Zendaya, like they sell that well. Like Tom Holland sells the struggle well, but it's just I I don't need to see that anymore. But where where I where I struggle with the lack of Bruce Wayne is only really only in that the one the thing I want Bruce Wayne most for now is that one of the most fun and sexy things about the Batman Catwoman relationship is the simultaneous Bruce Wayne Selena Kyle relationship going on. But this yeah, was yeah. so good with just Batman and Catwoman. I was like, you know what? It actually might be a mistake to have too much Bruce Wayne in the next one, especially if it's Bruce and Selena Kyle. But then again, I think almost without even trying, Pattinson created a Bruce Wayne that I think the Selena Kyle would be very into in their human, normal human lives. Yeah. E- e- yeah, emo Bruce, like Cooley yeah. Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick thing that just popped into my head. Uh, do we th- do we think that Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman is bi? Yes. Yes. Okay, Definitely. Cool. Same. Which is kind of canon. I'm pretty sure it's. Canon. I think it is. I, I don't know if it is canon, obviously, but I mean that's how I read her relationship with Annika. Annika. Yeah. And then, you know, her relationship with Batman. But I was like, One that's cool. cool thing. Like, I mean, it, w- it yeah. would have been nice if it were a little bit more overt. But, like, I, I read it that way. And, like, good good for you, Warner Brothers, for, for yeah. doing that. Yeah. I will say, though, one of the reasons why I thought that was because she calls her baby <laughs> yeah. on the phone a lot. But Jim sent this very cool thing that broke down that every time she was suspicious of somebody or... Uh, not trying to be friendly to them. She called them honey. But every time it was somebody who she was close to or had a personal relationship with and trusted, she called them baby. And it was like literally between like scenes for Batman. Sometimes she would say like, I mean, the the coolest line that she has where he's like, don't throw your life away, Selena. And she goes, don't worry about it, honey. I've got nine of them. And then kicks the guy off the building. Yeah. She calls him honey because it's like, I don't want to talk. Like I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. And now I'm mad at you. But then later, when she rescues him, when he's about to die at the convention center, she's like, "It's okay. It's over, baby." And so it's like this <clears> constant <throat> switching back before, back and forth of her trusting him and then put keeping him at arm's length. Interesting. Um, so even that element of like, the, I mean, the script itself. I feel like the actual screenplay I love so much for. The little comparisons it makes between these characters, the way the Riddler and Batman really are kind of perfectly matched in who they are and what they're doing. They are these kind of mirror versions of themselves, which is kind of all Batman villains are an aspect of his psyche, like, to the extreme. And so his detective work is the riddle, the Riddler's riddles. And that's, like, that's a cool relationship. And his relationship with Catwoman of being, like, these struggling crime fighters or people that are trying to uh, bring justice to the city, but also have these other lives and complications with their families. Um, and even like uh, him and Alfred of just like, they're both left in the wake of the, the Wayne parents and how are they going to develop their relationship as this like surrogate father and son. And like, also like we have to talk about Alfred a little bit Yeah. of like, this one was the first one that felt like he was in on the actual like work that mm-hmm. goes into it, not just like advising or like 
helping spruce up the Batcave. <laughs> he like solved the crypt or the the cipher cryptic, or what is it? The cipher. cipher. Yeah. yeah. And was like, oh yeah, I like I <laughs> Which, did this. Speak, hey Zodiac, welcome back. Welcome yeah. back to the conversation. <laughs> yeah. right. Which is also incredible. Like that aspect is so cool to be like, ooh, puzzles. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some like saw and stuff. Uh, but yeah, Alfred's great in this and where was I going? I don't know. Andy's, but, Andy uh, Serkis definitely yeah. did homework. There's no way in fucking hell that Michael Caine read a, read a page of Batman oh, anything in preparation absolutely for that. Not. No. <laughs> absolutely not. No way. Love Michael Caine. Love Michael Caine's Afri- Alfred. Him. But he just did that. No. <laughs> he showed up and was like, all right, Chris, you and I are friends, so I'll be here for you. <laughs> but, like, yeah. that was the extent. Um, yeah. I still would one day like the actually, like, skinny, bald... Me too. Little mustachioed butler, but you know whatever. Well, I, I, this is a great. This is like Earth One, uh, Alfred for the comic book mm. readers. But uh, it's. I mean, like it's a. It's a great Alfred, and he's cool. Yeah, he's like a cool, nice Alfred that we love. That Bruce is a giant asshole too. Yes. Yeah, but it's also like that contentious relationship between like I don't want you to kill yourself and him being like get off my case, not dad. And like that aspect is like part of the relationship. Yeah, classic uh, second year Batman right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other things that I liked about this movie, the entrance of the Riddler was one of the dopest things so of this entire movie, so and I wish that more of this movie were like. Because, like, that's, like, legit horror movie. (laughs) And, like, I understand that that's not necessarily what we're going for here, but, like, that was legitimately terrifying. And it's, it like, the way it was shot and how dark it was, and you mostly don't... I didn't recognize that there was a person there other than the reflection on the TV on, like, the goggles that he has on or whatever. And so, like, it took me a while to realize that there was somebody standing behind the the mayor. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, I had, like, a little jump scare. Um, I wish that there would have been a little bit more of that in the movie, especially when that's how it started. I was like, oh, yeah. And then it doesn't. I mean, the scene where he's in the car mm-hmm. with uh, Peter Sarsgaard's character yeah. is like mm-hmm. the closest we get to that other than that intro scene. Um, but it still wasn't quite there. And so I, I wish we could have gotten a yeah. little bit more of that because that that was yeah. pretty dope. There are a lot of the way that it's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, you go. No, no, I, I was going to say the way it's out of focus in any of those murder scenes, too, mm-hmm. there's, like, one shot that's out of focus where we get an aspect of what's going on and, like, a hint at the truth. So it's, like, the scene where the the paint or the, the carpet tucker, like, slides across the ground and you see, like, the Riddler pulling out the duct tape for the first time. It's, like, all out of focus. And the same way in the car with uh, Sarsgaard, it's, like, out of focus, but you just see these, like, blinking lights and hear this, like clicking noise so cool and then later when uh falcone is underneath the light and batman looks up at the street light that's all out of focus so it's all these like crime scenes that have this like this particular motif that like is just a cool thing for reeves to be doing to add that like visual element to this like mystery um and just like hinting at the horror of like that collar that gets put on Sarsgaard, where it's just like, oh god, that looks, that looks industrial. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the decision to not show him get the police commissioner or whoever that was. Yeah, I, I 
there's there are a lot of choices being made and uh, matt and i were texting about this about like what to show and what not to show and matt definitely just hit on some of like the best parts I mean, like does the idea to like have like when rain is used to make things out of focus and things but it's an interesting choice to not show that second murder mm-hmm. i will say because i want to be fair to not seem like so biased that i'm just not going to say anything bad about this movie <laughs> is that like really my my takeaway from seeing it the third time were, were the the two two things stood out to me the most the first was there is you feel the riddler's absence a little bit during the second third or like like the the third quarter of the movie basically like if we're talking about things we like about this movie the first 90 minutes is I, I, I'm not being generous. I looked at, like, the timestamp, like, or, like, I checked online. Like, the first 90 minutes, I think, is b- basically perfect. I, I adore it. Yeah. Um, then whatever follows, incredible. Also, <laughs> you feel the Riddler, the loss of the Riddler's presence a bit. And there's a more of a focus on finding the rat. And the Riddler's guiding it. Like, so he, mm-hmm. he ha- there is a presence, but, like, his physical presence is... You really just get his voice when he when he pops out that video that talks about um, the reporter that was killed and the truth about the the Arkham's and, and the and the the Waynes. So it's it, that's really cool. But I and I actually don't know what I would have done though if I was Matt Reeves. Like, how could you put him physically back in the movie without? I mean, you you don't want to take away from the fear that the audience would be feeling of him if you show him too much. That could be bad. But given the movie's length, I do think that his him being absent could maybe have been remedied somehow and the other real gripe i have with the movie and i I, it's kind of a gripe it's kind of i don't know how i feel about it yet is that are we gonna talk big spoilers about the the presence of that other character at the end of the movie i want to i want to hold off on some of that i want to so i have a list of things that like didn't work for me as much and so i want to like get all of our adoration out and then I, I, I'm not going to shit on this movie. I did like this movie, but I do have like okay. a list of things that I like a bullet point that I want to go through later. And I, one of them is that thing that you're, you're referencing. So, okay. so hold yeah. off on that would be my, my thought. Sure. I, I also feel like, I mean, in that time where we don't, where we feel the lack of Riddler, we get the highway scene. Oh which yeah. Which is like yeah. an incredible Batmobile chase scene and the introduction of the Batmobile which they like I've seen a bunch of things saying that they like purposely themed it off of like Christine or this kind of possessed Mm -hmm. beast that's like awakening in this alley just the coolest intro for the Batmobile that we've seen Uh, I just loved it and the highway chase itself was like propulsive Uh, which also ending it with like maybe the first big laugh of the movie which is penguins scene where they like interrogate him um we all just get like a little spanish lesson we go to see the batman and learn a little spanish for fun and then he waddles away yeah he waddles away we get all of it um which yeah we haven't talked about how good uh colin farrell's penguin oh yeah which is like my definitive live action penguin absolutely my Um, my general take is cast character actors don't put fat suits on people like that that would be yeah. my preference, but having said that, this was a really good penguin. So I was like, all right, fine. Incredible. <laughs> I'm like, if you're gonna give us a take like this, Colin Farrell, absolutely. Yeah, I think he's like, 
I think he's an underrated performance in this movie. Like, yeah. he's genuinely, I feel like, up there with the best Batman villains we've seen live on screen. Which, like, I also think Paul Dano's Riddler is excellent. Like, his little laughs and, like, little, like, giggles and also, like, this maniacal up and down of his, like, voice is very Riddler to be this kind of, like, playfully crazy yes. lunatic who mm-hmm. loves Riddler. I'm so glad you said murder. that. Because if, if he had gone full, like self-righteous, self-serious, like, psychopath, it wouldn't truly Mm -hmm. be the Riddler. There is a little bit of goofiness to the Riddler. It Mm -hmm. is not Jim Carrey Cuckoo Bananas Riddler, (laughs) but but there is, like, you need a little bit of that. And I find it so... One of, like, my favorite line deliveries in the entire movie, because... And then each time I've, like, listened carefully, or the second two times I listened very carefully in the theater of, like, when... Paul Dan- uh, Dano's just like, oh no, that's is not how this was supposed to go. When Batman just rejects him, that mm-hmm. line could be hilarious or terrifying, and it's like there were like mm-hmm. there were like hesitant laughs in the theater. There's no outright like <laughs> yeah. chuckle, but if like when I think about the line in isolation, it's pretty damn funny. Yeah, but it's but he's so effective, and that to me just like that represents how good of a performance it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's so unsettling that you are like, oh man, like this is very uncomfortable. Yeah, um, I did want to just circle back quickly to the highway chase sequence, which mm-hmm. ruled so hard, just so goddamn hard. Yeah. That that whole sequence was fucking awesome, and I don't know if this was true for either of you, but I saw this movie. So I've only seen it once, but I saw it in IMAX. Oh, nice. And I texted Ooh. Matt when I left the theater. And I said, the first thing I said to Matt, because obviously I didn't want to spoil anything. I knew he was seeing it like the next night. I didn't want to like ruin anything. But the first thing I texted him is, quote, that movie is so fucking loud. And then an immediate follow up. Not a complaint, by the way. <laughs> like, like, uh the chase sequence was so loud and I've since been, I've, I've worked a shift at the theater and like we have our theater doors closed and you can still hear us. Oh, it's a highway scene in theater three. Like it's just so fucking crazy how loud that, that sequence is. Um, and as if the action on screen weren't compelling enough, the fact that they ratcheted the volume up to like, near deafening levels just made me that much more interested in that whole sequence i it was easily like in the way that catwoman was like my favorite part of the movie that was my favorite sequence of the movie because i like and and i and i'm including everything leading up to and following like the whole like when they when they like get to the drug deal leading into the car chase scene leading into the penguin interrogation like all of that stuff i think like that was my favorite like chunk of the movie uh, I, I was just like very here for everything that happened in that mi- that middle guy there i guess if we're getting out things we love before we get to the things we did like <laughs> I, I just i, I have Nothing. so many things to say but there's one thing i do i the one thing we didn't mention I, that i really wanted to say was well i guess two things that I, I guess 12 things no but <laughs> actually actually just two things the the shot of batman walking to Carmine Falcone's office with in the dark when the bullets are the only lighting. Yeah. And he and just, my jaw was on the floor. So I'm glad you brought so that up. Cool. That's on my list. Uh, so I think, I don't know if I've made it known, you know, on pop, but uh, Matt definitely is aware that I 
love Rogue One. Minus the last five minutes of Rogue One, which I fucking hate. (laughs) And I know that people are like, oh, but yeah, fucking Darth Vader in that hallway. It's the dopest shit ever. Fuck that. I hate that sequence. It, like, ruined that movie for me. Not actually. I still really like that movie. But I truly hate that sequence. But when I was watching the Batman... And it's basically the exact same thing because it's like in a dark hallway with one dude kicking the shit out of a bunch of other guys. And the only color in the sequence is red. I was like, nah, this is what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> it is the same like, cinematographer. This is what I want. It's the same cinematographer. Oh, wow. It's like I said, it's basically the, ex- yeah. I mean, it's the same premise. Oh, it's like wow. a guy dressed in all black, beating the shit out of people in a dark hallway. And the only thing you see are just like little flashes of light. Uh, I was like, this fucking rules. I I loved that so much, I, and I was I, just like, fuck you, Rogue One. Still, I couldn't, I could, I couldn't remember the Rogue One thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I knew it was the same cinematographer, but I completely forgot that there was like he already did that exact same thing. Yeah, he should do it in every movie. <laughs> Dune Part Two, yeah. there better be one. I was gonna one. say, I'm, I'm ready for him to shoot that in Dune Two. I don't know. Yeah. I like having read the book. I don't know where that's gonna fit, but like I'm ready for them to figure it out. I believe in Denis. <laughs> like he can make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> The, the only other thing I was going to mention was just that the, the moment when the ceiling of the arena explodes and oh, he, and he drops yeah. down. I think I, yeah, I think that was my like literal reaction. <laughs> I was like, I'm here for everything that's happening right now. It's so, it's so interesting though, because as showy of an entrance as that is, for some reason compared to, and again, this is not a knock on Nolan, but compared to some of the very like, epic things that happen in the Nolan films coupled with a very bombastic, like equally just exciting and rousing Hans Zimmer score. That moment was arguably the biggest moment of the movies other than the chase sequence. And it Mm -hmm. felt like smaller in scale as Mm -hmm. awesome as it was. It just didn't feel the same, but I was as here for that as I am, you know, the best sequences in the Nolan films. Yeah. Yeah, the way he dropped down and the, all the glass came with him was spectacular. Yeah. And, like, to make an entrance like that just to strike fear, it, and, like, and it also immediately went into basically the video game Arkham City, like, that kind of combat of him just, like, one by one dispatching these people and, like, hanging them from their wires and then, like, grabbing somebody's gun and throwing it down and kicking their knee. Like, it was just so cool to, like have it explode, and then immediately he rolls into action. I was like, this is the fastest Batman we've seen, too, of just this, like, ninja who, like, makes a show of his entrances. There is that theatrical element that uh, even him jumping off of the police building with his little squirrel suit and then, like, totally miffing it on the bus (laughs) was like, oh, yeah, that's Batman, too. Like... Just like doing his best to be like, well, I gotta figure out something better than that. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Note to self. Work. <laughs> work on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but also the finale being like the flooding of Gotham was so cool to see this like massive failure that like I think the closest thing we get, and I mean I guess all of them have big things, but like in begins where like the gas gets out and everybody gets like gassed with fear gas that's like a pretty major blow to the city where a lot of the other movies i feel like i mean i guess dark knight rises like they blow up the main bridges yeah but it's still like (laughs) the the aspect of like 
just a whole city flooded is like, yeah, it's usually a disaster level event that Gotham has hit it. Like, and to see the whole city flooded at the end of the movie is like, oh, fuck. Like, that's going to be a lot of work to get this cleaned up. Yeah. So I think that was also exciting to see, like, yeah, Gotham in its lowest and that it's not like he's making any progress. We just have to keep watching to see if he can win this battle against Gotham's greatest sins which his parents were involved with. Yeah. I, that was another thing I really liked is the, like, I mean, most of the movies, like, uh, his parents aren't really involved other than, like, the fucking murder scene that we've seen way too many goddamn times. <laughs> but, like, his parents, yeah. like, his parents are basically, like, gods, right? Like, they're just, like, deified in these stories. And I really like that this movie, and again, I don't know if this is canon or not, but, like, I really like that this movie was just, like, they were good people, but they were people and they were flawed. Um, and I, I really appreciated that as like a new take on like on a, a Batman lore that we've we've seen plenty of times before. And so like at least they were doing something different with this one. I think it might be due to like, you know, obviously times change and Batman's been around for a long time. But I think that some of the, the comics and the graphic novels, at least in the last like 10 years, have, have gravitated a little more mm-hmm. towards like... Well, the Waynes and the Arkhams are super rich white people, so with that comes some inherent, like, right. problems. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the <clears throat> other... Uh, I think because Bruce is usually so well-adjusted in the other Batman movies, where he is very much not in this one, <laughs> I think we also get the weight of the murder in a better way that explains why he's so obsessed with this. We're like... The other ones are like, you want to become a bat because you're so sad about your parents? You don't seem that sad. You seem like you're pretty <laughs> fine being like a rich, angsty kid. Uh, but this is like, he's really dark and very disturbed by his parents dying, uh, which also, then we don't need to see it happen. Oh, we just you. get it through his emotional state and and finding out that, yeah, they weren't perfect. Um and helping that you like be a bond with him and Alfred yeah. to like show that, you know, it's I'm the one who's still here with you and I still believe in you. And like I'll help you, but you've gotta be reasonable and logical and also like you have a life that you have to lead mm-hmm. besides just being obsessed with this crime fighting with that makeup. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, to speak to Robert Pattinson's eyes in the interrogation scene where he's trying not to acknowledge what the Riddler is saying when he thinks that he knows who he is. And then as soon as he shows his hand that he actually doesn't realize that Batman is Bruce Wayne, and the way his eyes move to be like, oh, oh, I have the upper hand. Yeah. Okay. Like, that immediate shift is also so cool to see in Pattinson's performance. And to then have him act like, okay... And yeah, I'm gonna. This is bullshit. I'm gonna like interrogate you and get the information I need. Uh, he does such a good job with those eyes, man. So much. Man, I wanted to ask you how you felt. I don't think I texted you about this at all yet. I was saving it. I, you know, how did you feel about the Riddler not deducing that he's Bruce Wayne? Because we, we've obviously in so many movies we've seen so much like, oh, the supervillain figures out who the superhero's secret identity is, and generally in mo- in most cases, the only two superheroes I've ever cared about that happening in. Batman and Spider-Man and Riddler finding out Batman's secret identity is like my favorite instance of that happening in all comics and all comic book lore. 
And so I was shocked at how not upset I was that Riddler fucked up and didn't actually deduce mm-hmm. it. Even though I was ex- fully expecting and excited for him to have deduced the secret identity. How did you feel about it? I'm glad that he didn't, because I was like, already? Like, this is going to really fuck things up if, like, everyone knows he's Bruce Wayne already. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think that this is better for him to missed it, to show that he's not as good of a detective or as good of a riddle maker as Batman is. That is, like, yeah, you, he could take his time to actually figure it out. And I think because his focus is so much on, like, the failure of the Waynes mm-hmm. and seeing Batman as an ally to that... That is, like, he's thinking of them as two different people in his thought processes around his, like, schemes. So the idea of, like, I have to kill Bruce Wayne because he was involved, his parents were involved in this thing. And also how reclusive Bruce Wayne is, that he's just like, yeah, whatever he's doing, I'll get him. I'll just blow him up in Wayne Tower. But Batman is the smart one. He's, I see him trying to make the city clean. And so, like, I'll loop him in on this plan. Yeah. I think that is such a fun twist mm-hmm. that, like, he thought they were working together and not that he was actually trying to attack yeah. him at all. I, I would love to know what you guys think about Matt Reeves potentially getting the chance to do what no one wanted to do but didn't get a chance to do, which was he wanted that sequel with the Joker mm-hmm. that never happened. And I don't know if Reeves, <clears throat> I don't think Reeves has explicitly stated that he wants this. Though I, and I don't just say this as a biased Riddler fan, I think that there's a lot of potential for Riddler to be the main villain in the sequel. And I, I really hope they do it as diverse and amazing as the Rose Gallery is in Batman. I just think, why why stop? And I guess the only, the only thing I can think of is that it's hard to write a Riddler movie. Uh, as admitted <laughs> by the guys who did the animated series, they said... <laughs> The Riddler is the hard. There's only three. Kyle, there's only three episodes with the Riddler in them in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Only three because well, the Riddler appears in a couple, but he's not like it's not a Riddler story. And they admitted that they said it's so freaking hard to write good <laughs> Riddler stories. And I will say, not a knock on this movie, but there are two Riddler episodes of the animated series that I think are better Riddler stories or just better riddles and better puzzles than this movie. Hmm, interesting. All in 30 minute episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm very curious to see what this franchise turns into. Um I think it seems pretty obvious that we're going to get a trilogy um at minimum. I would be curious to see if this can go farther than a trilogy if people I mean clearly the appetite is there like financially speaking like warner brothers is going to be printing money with these movies so like they'll keep doing them as long as the people involved want to keep making them i assume um so i would be really curious to see where it all goes i do think it would be really interesting to see a batman movie where a villain from a previous one is still around whether or not they're like Mm -hmm. a major player like basically every Batman movie up to this point has like had a villain or two or three and then they've gone away at the end of their movie and then they move on to the next one and I think it would be really interesting to see what it would look like to keep something like to keep a character around especially a character that was as compelling as Paul Dano's Riddler Um, here's yeah, and here's what I think is exciting about the villains 
in this movie is that in one movie, we have now been introduced to Riddler, Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, the Falcone family, uh, Maroney, uh, and Dirty Cops. Like, we have introduced so many villains and areas of conflict that, like, if you keep adding any more, it, you can only you can splice in anyone from this world now whenever you want. Mm-hmm. You want one scene with Catwoman? You can get one scene with Catwoman. That's all that it needs to be. Like, we don't need to have everybody playing a major part, but, like, you can still introduce new characters and flesh out, like, how big the rogues gallery <clears throat> is for Batman at all times. He's fighting the Penguin one week, and now it's Catwoman, and now it's Clayface, and now Rachel Ghoul is coming back. So, like, that has already been set up by having so many villains interacting in this story uh, that I'm excited for anybody, like, do I need a Joker movie right now? No. We can wait. We can wait a little bit on that. Uh, and, like, discussions around, like, who um, Reeves likes, like, Mr. Freeze or the Court of Owls or all these other, like, not, like, potentially hard-to-do villains that, in his hands, I'm excited to see yeah. what he does with them. Like, is this perfectly Riddler? I mean, it's in some ways very Riddler, but, like, in other ways it's kind of like Hush, who's a character I personally really love and who's referenced a couple times in this movie in very subtle Easter egg ways. Um, but, like, this take on the character is still like, yeah, this is very true to, like, the psychology of that character. Um, and so, like, the psychology of Mr. Freeze, how do you make that real? How do you, like, uh, introduce that into this Gotham that we're seeing when it's flooded already? Like, what what opportunity is there for, like, these other characters to be introduced in not a way that like feels like it's just adding on and adding on, but it, like just to flesh out this world. I don't know what I'm even saying anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> if we get more Riddler, I think that would fit as like him going to interrogate him or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then some other villain being involved in the major scheme. I do think so. Again, I don't have uh, a lot of background with Batman outside of what's been in the movies, but I do think it would be interesting if, like, Arkham becomes a bigger role in some of the mm-hmm. sub, like, in the subsequent movies, because we really don't get a lot of Arkham in any of the movies up to this point, right? Like, it's casually mentioned, but I think, and I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time that Batman actually goes into Arkham in any of these movies. Begins, he's there. Yeah. Is he? Think or is he in Blackgate? I was. I don't. I can't remember. <clears throat> I think he's in Arkham Asylum because that's where. Uh, oh, is that where Killian oh. Murphy works? Okay, but like, oh, I yeah. think, and I think that would be a really good way to keep the Riddler around, right? Like, I could see a scene where like Batman's going into Arkham for whatever reason, and just like interacts with the Riddler in that capacity, as opposed to the Riddler somehow getting out of Arkham. And you know, fucking shit up. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I think that Doesn't could also, be interesting. Yeah. Doesn't he also visit Riddler in Forever? When he's like, I'm a bad. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, right at the end. Yeah. Oh, at the very yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> and if we're gonna use Riddler again, I'm I'm a sucker for. Uh, oh my god, this criminal's been running at this entire scheme from jail. Oh I would, yeah. I I, I <laughs> eat that up. I'm, 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 
give that to me. Let the Riddler do that. Let him just take over the city. And then and halfway through the movie, he's like, Batman, Batman's like, what the? He's been doing this from jail? And I'm just like sitting in the theater just... <laughs> so so happy bravo bravo yeah. all right uh matt do you have any other like oh man quick ish things i know you could just like rattle off a million things for the next 17 hours but it, in 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 order to keep this relatively timely i know do we're you, so past it, and i, I don't care lines. about the outline i was just like in order to keep things so that this doesn't bloom into like a seven hour episode do you have any, like, big picture things that we have not yet talked about that you want to highlight as some things you loved about this movie? I feel like we covered uh, okay. a lot of it. I, I, I feel like, I, yeah, I don't know what other little things, but, like, the narration, <clears throat> the cast, the, like, the settings. This is the best Gotham that I've seen in a live-action movie. Definitely. It's, like, exactly what I wanted Gotham to be, um, where it's, like, neon and gaudy and tacky and steamy like it's it's a it's a perfect gotham so and i also music like and everything else going back to the fincher comparison i mean like obviously zodiac like you know that it's the bay area and then he goes to like great mm-hmm. pains to in like <laughs> to make sure that you know that it's the bay area but to go back to the seven comp like yeah i love the nolan movies i love the city of chicago and i love that nolan's Gotham is especially in the Dark Knight, slightly to a lesser extent in the other two, but like just unabashedly Chicago. It makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that this movie, like Seven, just feels like some major metropolitan city, but I can't quite put my finger on what. You know, like Seven, because of the rain all the time, I just always kind of thought it was Seattle, but it's like way grimier and yeah, grosser than Seattle. So it's like not yeah. Seattle. And, like, same thing with this, where it's, like, there are moments where I'm, like, oh, yeah, this feels kind of like Chicago. And then there are other moments where, like, well, this feels kind of like New York. You know, so, like, I I really did appreciate that this was, like, a Gotham that felt like a real place without feeling like a real, like, a literal real place. Um, I thought that was, that was good. That was a good touch. Um, Yeah. That's Gotham. I feel like those are all my thoughts. Yeah. Gotham being so beautifully done Mm -hmm. was a huge boon. Oh, yeah. Again, to use that word uh, for this movie, I was I was really like, oh yeah, okay, I'm in. This this looks like exactly what I want. Yep. Um, and so yeah, people also saying that it's like so dark. I'm like, I don't know. This is like just a good story. It, mm-hmm. Like it's compelling and dark as it needs to be. It's not like Zack Snyder's. I think are way darker. I, I agree. Grim. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everything's shot in overcast even if it's not an overcast. And it's like the yeah. mood just makes me miserable watching the Zack Snyder movies and not just mm-hmm. because they're bad in other ways. Like, <laughs> there's this, like... It's like after The Dark Knight came out, everyone was just like, we need to make our superhero movies as dark, like, lighting-wise as possible, which is funny because The Dark Knight is mostly in daytime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just... It's such, it's such a weird... I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is also what I appreciate about this movie is that it is at night for so much of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, just these the shadows and like, yeah, uh, like the Falcone or the Falcone office where it's just like wood and steel girders and a billiards table. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, give me like this exact production <laughs> design. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, 
top to bottom great. All right, so here are some notes. And again, I want to preface these notes by saying I did really enjoy this movie, but here were some things that didn't work for me. And some of these are just like, I'm, I'm curious, I want, I genuinely want you guys to tell me as people who are Batman fans outside of this particular movie, outside of like the, mm-hmm. the, like the live action movies in general. So the first thing, I don't know the Riddler outside of Jim Carrey, and I don't like that performance. I don't like that movie. But, like, that is the only version of the Riddler that I am familiar with. Wow. Um, And so when I was watching this movie, I was like, this just feels like the Joker that, like, this this feels like the Joker. Like, it feels like this is, like, a psychopath that is just intent on, like killing people and destroying things and that also just happens to leave like riddles and so that was more just me genuinely curious like how accurate is this portrayal and we talked a little bit about it but like is like what is the difference between the joker and the riddler broadly but then specifically what is the difference between like this the riddler and Heath Ledger's The Joker. And I don't mean, like, physically, like, obviously there are differences, but, like, in terms of, like, what their goals are as characters, what are the differences? I, I want to take this one. I, I, <laughs> I want you to take this one. <laughs> I think Heath Ledger's Joker is a misrepresentation of who Joker actually is in the comics. I agree. And I, okay. and I think the reason for that is because the Joker is trying to make a point in The Dark Knight Every time he does something, it's, like, to expose criminal, like, to expose people being liars or, like, mm-hmm. to show that half the city hates the other half. And, like, there's a, an, a, an aspect of a joke to it, but, like, the actual Joker in all, basically all the other forms of media that Batman's appeared in is just be- bent on chaos and, like... like clown crimes it's all over the top it's all like purposely in bad humor like him being like oh don't lose your head about it and then like decapitating somebody and just like laughing about it like that's pretty much the joker there is no point to the violence and that's what makes him such an antithesis to batman is that he has no rhythm he has no point he has no motivation it's crime for crime's sake and he's the clown prince of crime. Like that, it's like this very jester-like persona. And the Riddler is a, is like Jim said about matching the intellectual quality of Batman. So it is much more like high-minded, like uh, Rube Goldberg contraptions with like dangerous things. So like this Riddler is pretty close to the actual Riddler of these like little puzzles and little games and riddles that like have people's lives at the end of it. Um, and that's where I feel like we haven't like Nicholson's Joker was like a mobster mm-hmm. and Heath Ledger's Joker was like a, like he was kind of his own thing. Uh, he like was a strategist of chaos and said that he didn't have a plan, but clearly always had a plan and a backup plan. Mm-hmm. I think like what Barry Keown's, joker could bring us is this kind of like truly unsettling and like uh unpredictable kind of pure chaos 
that you're just like in the same way that like killing of a sacred deer when he's eating that <laughs> spaghetti, plate of spaghetti. Like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like, what is happening? Who is this person? Yeah. I think like that is what might be capable, uh, like what he might be capable of in these movies of this kind of so far from having a plan that Riddler and him are very different characters. Okay. Um, and so I think Riddler mm-hmm. and Joker in Nolan, very close to each other. I think like this Riddler this, and Nolan Riddler Joker. And Heath Ledger's Joker, very close. Yeah. Okay. But I think this is actually more Riddler than it ever was Joker. I, and I, th- I think that the Heath Ledger's Joker actually has a little bit of Riddler in him yes. in that he, mm-hmm. he there you do get this vibe of Heath, Heath's Joker who gets who is very interested in testing Batman from an intellectual level. There are hints of that in the in the comics of the Joker wanting to do that, but that's much more a Riddler defining thing. Like the the like Matt said, the the Joker is so much more concerned with like just chaos and cl- clown crime. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, the, there is a part of the Joker I, in in some versions of the Joker that does, and it's it's less about creating chaos in Gotham, and it, Joker could give a shit about people's true nature, but Joker does get a lot of joy out of poking Batman. And trying to force him to, to to be in difficult situations to see what he'll do, and in that way, I think Nolan's Joker, is, that part of Nolan's Joker, is accurate. He is excited to see what Batman mm-hmm. will do when he puts Batman in a crazy situation. Mm-hmm. But that's just because he like get gets off is the because Joker is very asexual. <laughs> but it is <laughs> like, but in he, the comics, even the snack, in the Scott Snyder comics that. Uh, you like we know that Reeves was inspired by. Yeah. There is this kind of weird love and like yeah. kink relationship that like Joker at least constantly suggests. Yes. That like you like it mm-hmm. that you get to punch me and you like it that I do this to you. And and at the time of the Dark Knight when he delivered that line, you complete me to Batman, that was like the equivalent of what this entire movie was for me. I'm like, that's that's mm-hmm. that's it. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, the other, another like big picture thing that didn't really work for me uh, was just, I felt like the mystery was a little muddled. Like I felt like when we talked a little bit, I mean, Matt, you specifically mentioned like all of the different mm-hmm. characters. And I, I felt like the Riddler stuff kind of made sense on its own. But then some of the other crime stuff, like, it, it all came together. Like, it all was, like, it, it all did make sense. But, like, in terms of, like, as I was just watching it, there were parts where I was just like, this feels kind of disconnected. Like, it feels like these are not necessarily all the same thing. And so, again, like, it did end up coming yeah. back together for me. I, it, it's not, like, a huge knock on the movie. But I think I'm personally thinking in terms of, like, am I excited to go back and sit down and spend more time, like, spend another three hours in this world. Like, that's one of the things where I'm just like, yeah. I Like, I agree that this is definitely the most detective Batman we've gotten. And I do think that it's, like, an interesting mystery. But I think there are parts of the mystery that are less compelling than yeah, I, I was kind of hoping they would be. And so it I... reminds I, me of, like... That's just a thought. And then a general question to you guys is, like, did the mystery work? I mean, obviously, like the fact that it was Batman solving a mystery worked for you, but, like, did the mystery itself work for you guys? Out of curiosity. Yeah, Yeah, it did. Yeah. 
I feel like it reminded me of like LA Confidential or Chinatown, <laughs> yeah. where it's like a pretty slow burn mystery that like kind of veers off course, but it actually, when it veers off course, is adding to the clues that you have towards what's going on. And so at times it can feel kind of like, wait, where are we? I think especially with the misdirect of Penguin being thought to be that person that they were after and mm-hmm. then realizing it's Bruce and then having to like go back and forth there and having Riddler disappear for that portion of it. I think like it does kind of feel like the mystery loses its way, but on a second viewing, I was pretty like invested in looking at the clues and watching like, oh, drive is the word that's left at the end of the cipher and thumb drive is what you find in a garage where you drive, like all these little clues uh, I thought were really fun just to like watch unfold and have like Batman and Gordon working on it together. Yeah. Um, So I like that mystery aspect. There's a lot that I picked up more on the second time. And I, I, I don't say that as like, well, I was a little lost during the first time. I felt like I followed it very well the first time. But there are subtleties in the mystery or just things that you, you might notice on a second, I mean, or first viewing. Like, even, mm-hmm. like, the Riddlers, what I didn't appreciate at all the first time is the Riddlers' plan is in motion from a very early point. I mean, there's that laughable line where they talk about how he has 500 followers. Like, that's a lot of followers. <laughs> but he's getting traction early on, and the movie does not, it's not overt about it at all. Mm-hmm. But in the in the memorial service sequence, Bruce shows up and he talks to he sees one person, this guy trying this is random guy try to get past police oh, yeah. lines. That guy is wearing a green jacket. Whether it's the green jacket that they're all wearing at the end, I don't know, but it definitely is yeah. a green jacket, the same tone, and, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that's intentional. Oh, and yeah. then I also think that the guy I could be wrong about this because the lighting was not perfect, but the guy that Bruce talks to where he's like these he's just this mayor is just another rich scum sucker you know like mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that guy is also in green I'm not positive but if he is I like the idea of the Riddler's green just representing lower class people mm-hmm. looking at upper class people being like fuck you and everything all you corrupt sons of bitches and, Interesting. and down with all of you but anyway that's a little aside from like the mystery of it. But I, I just, I think that I agree with Matt completely that where it goes during that part where it seems like the movie loses its way, I think is extreme. Not only is it great from a Bruce slash Batman character building per- perspective, but I also think it's where you get some of the best Catwoman stuff. And I think that stuff is essential and important mm-hmm. to what makes Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman such an incredible fleshed out character. For sure. Yeah. And like I said, it it wasn't anything that was like, it wasn't my biggest problem with the movie. It was just like a thing that like didn't work super well for me. Um, yeah. But I do think like, I agree that I probably would appreciate it more on second watch. I also just like, haven't seen a lot of those kind like, when Matt, you made me watch L.A. Confidential for the first time when we were living together, like, five years ago. Yeah. So, like, that movie's fairly fresh. I've still never seen Chinatown. You know, like, there are a lot of movies that, like, this this movie is very obviously, like, referencing and or homaging that I just haven't seen. So, like, that definitely could be part of, like, my you know, my own shortcoming. But, um, 
couple of small things that didn't work for me. We mentioned this earlier, but I was like, I, I'm just, I'm sick of the Joker. I don't want another Joker. Please yeah. get it. I just fucking stop. Like I, I love, I, I didn't need it. I love I Barry Keoghan. I, I think that if we're going to get another Joker, I'm, I'm as excited as I possibly could be that he's going to be the one doing it. But like, for the love of God, just stop. Yeah. Like, it has been 14 years since the Dark Knight, and we have had five now five different Jokers. That's fucking yeah. insane. And we've had three in the last five years. Like, yeah. just stop. It's it's too much. I I can't deal with it anymore. And the fact that it was like very clearly, like I've read I I've read some interviews with Matt Reeves and like he what he is saying, like the 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 line, the official line is that like he wasn't leaving it in as a post credit. Like obviously it's not a po- it's not literally a post credit scene, but it it's reads as a post credit like scene. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. filmed like a post credit scene. It reads like a post credit scene. He was not leaving it in for that reason. Um, his argument was that because the way it's like edited into the movie is it's mirroring when Batman and Catwoman go their separate ways. Um, like they're going their separate ways and two people in Arkham are like coming together. So like, that was his argument for leaving it in, which if that's true, like, okay, I get that, but that's not how it reads to an audience. Yeah. And also I just, I don't want it. <laughs> so you, like that. And it could have been anyone. It could have been anyone. It really could have been. Yeah. Did, did you also read about how, like what the other scene that he filmed with the Joker that cut, I did. cut out? Yeah, which and I I go back and forth as to actually whether if I had to pick one of those two, which one I would rather have, and I I think I would actually rather have him do a whole like Hannibal yes. Lecter type thing, yeah, and the reason I, I'm where I'm coming from is as a Riddler fan, the Joker's presence at the end of the movie reduces like the grandeur that Riddler has earned, that Dano mm-hmm. has earned throughout the entire movie. Whereas if you shove the Joker in the middle of the movie as a means to catching someone who, from the audience's perspective, is now a greater threat that minimizes the Joker in a way mm-hmm. that I like. And you can get a great, like, quick conversation. doesn't have to be a you-complete-me type conversation. I would have rather had that one, I think, than what we got. And yeah, it, it, I, it I still agree. bugs me, but it's not enough to at all reduce my love for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I agreed. Stop with Joker. Barry Keelan would be a great Joker. We don't need it, though. Yeah. And that's the end of part one, so make sure you come back to hear part two with the rest of our discussion about the Batman. Bomb, 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 bomb. I'm finished. Bomb.